Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Welcome on this Easter morning to our Easter celebration at First Presbyterian Church in Bend, Oregon. If you happen to be joining us somewhere across the world, right here in beautiful Central Oregon or, or somewhere in between, we are so thrilled that we can join together and celebrate Easter hope together this morning. My name is Stephen, the lead pastor here. We try our best to practice what we call a spacious Christianity, where we, we believe everyone is welcome. We believe that diversity is a strength and that questions and doubts are a gift. You will find people in, in very different places, theologically, spiritually. We love it that way. Every story matters. Every story is sacred. And together we'll journey in curiosity, wondering about God's story and our place in it. We celebrate the Sacrament of Holy Communion as part of this Easter celebration this morning. And know you are so welcome. There's, there's a seat for you at the table. There's no test you have to pass, no belief agreement you have to sign. You know, if you're just hungry and, and thirsty to know that you're loved and, and to be strengthened in the presence of that love, you're welcome. All you need is something to eat and then something to drink. And I look forward to sharing that holy meal with you. Also, if you live in Central Oregon today from noon to one o'clock at the church, we're gonna be hosting a drive-through, what we call our sensibility offering, where every single penny goes to feed the hungry. What better way to celebrate Easter hope? And we'll also have a gift for you that you can give someone else as we celebrate new life together. You know, normally we have a, an Easter sunrise service. So I thought I would bring the sunrise to you. You know, and after the year we've had, it <laughs> makes a lot of sense that the sun this morning is struggling to shine behind the clouds. And as I was sitting here, you know, waited to be greeted by the sunrise, I couldn't help but think of the poet who wrote the creation story in Genesis 1. And the poet says, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, there was night and then morning. Did you notice? The poem begins in the night. This past year, it has seemed like the night perhaps will never end, that the morning will never come. The promise of Easter is that no matter how dark the night, no matter how long the night may seem, morning comes. Morning always comes. Beyond the night, there is morning. Beyond winter, spring. Beyond death, life. The promise of this day is that suffering, darkness, and death do not have the last word. God does. And the word that God spoke that first Easter, and the story that God continues to tell, is of a love stronger than death, a hope that overcomes despair, a light that pushes back the darkness. That's the Easter story. That's our story. Our story to tell, our story to live. Members of our community will call us into worship on this Easter morning, proclaiming Christ is risen. Love has risen indeed. 
Welcome. He is risen. Happy Easter. Good Easter from the Penner family. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. Happy Easter from two generations of the Southam family. Christ is risen. He is risen today. Happy Easter from Jane and Eldon Wilson. Wilson. Christ, Christ is, is risen. risen. He is he has risen, risen indeed. indeed. Happy, Happy Easter, Easter from, from Bill and Sarah. Sarah. Happy Easter from Laurel Reed. He is risen. Happy, Happy Easter, Easter from, from the, the Cash, Cash family. family. A group of us met every morning at 8 a.m. during Lent to read poetry, to sit in silence, to pray with and, and for one another. And we wish to bring you our, our Easter greeting, greetings with a line from the poet Pablo Neruda, who said, you can cut all the flowers, but you can't keep spring from coming. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Love is risen indeed from Janet Warner. Happy Easter from Linda Hathorne. Christ is risen, risen indeed. Lorraine Stewart. Happy Easter from Martha Henderson. Happy Easter everyone from Penny Penson. Christ is risen. Happy Easter from Kathy and Dick Malone. Happy Easter from Jane and Jerry Kirkpatrick. Happy Easter from Janet Whitney. Happy Easter from Gretchen Wilbur. Easter brings hope. Happy Easter from Martha Truel. Easter blessings from Bridget. Easter greetings from Helen Smith. Happy Easter from Norma Wallace. Happy Easter from Nancy Bauer.
planted a seed and waited for it to sprout. Every day you might check the soil to make sure it has enough water, but there isn't much else you can do than wait. You can't dig up the soil to see what's happening underneath. You just have to have faith that if the seed is good and the soil is healthy, one day soon a sprout will appear. Today is Easter Sunday and this is a day when we celebrate new life. We hear the Easter story about how Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and how on the third day, the day that we celebrate as Easter, when his friends came to take care of his body, the tomb he was buried in was empty. And we are reminded that death is not the end. There is hope. There is new life to be found in God's love. The love that Jesus showed us as he gave up his very life. Last year, Easter felt really strange with the beginning of the pandemic. The Easter egg hunts were canceled, we couldn't get our picture with the Easter bunny, or put on our nice Easter clothes and go to church together. And this year, we still might not be able to do all of our Easter traditions, the things that make Easter feel like Easter. But here is a little secret. Even if the things that feel like Easter don't happen, Easter can't be canceled because Easter is really about the life and hope we each hold within us. It's that feeling we get when we discover new life right around us, even when things don't feel quite normal yet. It's in flowers beginning to break up out of the ground. It's in helping others, whether that's donating food to the hungry or cooking a meal for someone who's sick. It's in sending a card to someone who might feel lonely and forgotten or treating your siblings with kindness or even in just a friendly smile and hello to a neighbor. It's in prayers either whispered or spoken out loud for others to hear. It's in saying I miss you or I love you to someone you care about. It's in taking care of your pet and in going without something you want so someone else can have something they need. It's in you, just being you and reminding someone, anyone, that they matter and that they're loved. And like a seed that we plant and are waiting to have sprout, we can't always see what new life is going to burst out of the soil. We're just taking care of or tending the soil. And that can be hard because we have to have faith and do the loving and right thing even when we don't know what good we're going to see come from it. And I really believe that as we each take care of or tend to what is in front of us, the very best that we can, with the very most love that we can, we're doing exactly what Easter is about. We're partnering or working with God to heal the world through love as we each do our part. And no part is too small. And now I invite you to join us in saying our kids' blessing. This isn't just for kids. It's really for anyone who's watching as we hold one another and say these words over each other, reminding ourselves that we are all loved and accepted just as we are. Please join me as we say, you are loved by God no matter what. May you know love, grow in love, and show love to others. Amen.
the Sabbath was over. A new day was dawning. As the darkness slowly crept away, three women were revealed, walking through the silence, walking towards the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Mary, and Salome brought spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Who will move the stone that blocks our way, they asked. Which of us has the strength? And then they saw the thing that stunned them. There was nothing in their way at all. The passage was clear, an invitation for all who might come to enter. When they entered, they saw emptiness, where they expected to see death. They saw life, where they expected emptiness. A young man sat in the shadows, on the right of the tomb. Do not be afraid, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. But like this very dawn, this new day, he has risen. He does not lie here anymore. Tell his disciples, tell Peter. He is going to Galilee there. Not here, you will see him. The women were so frightened they could not carry the message. In our sanctuary, at the end of every pew, you will find a box of Kleenex. Because we want people to know that tears are welcome. Um, this should be a space that can hold the sacredness of your tears. This past year has brought us so many tears. Tears, tears are holy. Tears remind us of the gift of life. Tears remind us that, that every life is sacred. Tears are a sacrament of those willing to risk love. Tears remind us of how very, very, very fragile life is. Yeah, this past year has brought many tears. You know, as I was thinking about the tears of the, the three women from our Easter story from the Gospel of Mark today, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome, as I was thinking about their tears, as they witnessed Jesus breathe his last, I couldn't help but think of the tears of all of the families who've, who've lost loved ones to the pandemic this year. I couldn't help but think of the tears of those who've been forced, forced to grieve from a distance. As I thought about the tears of the three women who witnessed Jesus die a violent death, I couldn't help but think of the tears of all of the families who lost loved ones to the violence of hate and fear and, and racism this past year. You know, as I thought about the tears of the three women in our story who not only did their beloved friend Jesus die, their dreams and hope that life could be, could be different, that life could be better, died with Jesus. And I couldn't help but think of all of the people this past year, the tears of those who, whose lives, whose hopes, whose dreams just were turned upside down. Yeah, this past year has brought us many tears.
But those words that we, that we spoke at the very beginning of the service, Christ is risen. Those words tell us that within our tears, there is hope. The Easter promise that we, that we claim on this day is that suffering, darkness, and death do not and will not have the last word. God does. And the word that God spoke that first Easter morning and the story that God continues to tell is a love that is present in our tears, a love from which we can never be separated, a love stronger than even death, a hope that overcomes despair, a stubborn light that, that pushes back the darkness. The Easter promise is two words, <laughs> two words you, you hear a lot around here. Love wins. In fact, you'll find that promise uh, actually appears on the side of our building for all to see. Love wins. But when you're looking at life through the, the veil of tears, sometimes it's hard to see or even believe that that Love is winning. There are so many places where it, it looks and it feels like a, like a good Friday world where hate and violence and suffering and despair seem to have the upper hand. But what we dare to believe, what we dare to trust on this day, love wins. And if love isn't winning, it just means the story isn't over yet. I think of Desmond Tutu, who while preaching a sermon in the, ch in the church at the very height of apartheid, had, had machine guns pointed at him. And with that smile and twinkle in his eye, he looked at the soldiers pointing the machine guns and said, you might as well drop those guns. Join the dance. Love has already won this victory. You just don't know it yet. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to bet my life on the conviction that love wins. Because if love wins, that changes everything. You know, if love wins, we keep feeding the hungry, even though those standing in line who are hungry is longer today than it was yesterday. If love wins, we keep praying and, and working for peace, even though peace seems impossible. If love wins, we keep fighting for justice. We keep fighting to create a world where every single life is held as sacred and cherished, even though hate and prejudice seems to be so entrenched. You know, if love wins, we have those brave conversations with those who see the world so very differently than we do. If love wins, we sit with our loved one who has Alzheimer's, even though they don't even recognize who we are, because we know that kind of suffering will never have the last word. If love wins, I'm able to tell you who are going through hell, and so many of you have been going through hell in this past year, keep going because we know that the worst thing 
will never be the last thing. If love wins, we're able to say to those who know the taste, the salty taste of their grief-stricken tears, that there is a love stronger than death. There is a love from which we can never be separated. There is a love that never ends. If love wins, we keep showing up. We keep showing up and doing the work of love that is ours to do, even though most days it seems impossible. Even those most days, it seems like there's this stone in front blocking, blocking, blocking the promise of new life. Stones that seem too heavy to be moved away. Love wins. Love wins. Love wins. And if love isn't winning, it just means the story isn't over yet. I love the Easter story as told by the gospel writer, Mark. It's my favorite version. Mark is actually the, the, um, the oldest version. And it's actually the leanest, only, only eight verses. Mark begins, and it's Sunday. The three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome, they had just witnessed Jesus die. And with him, their dreams that life could be different die with him. And they are, are plunged into into the valley of grief. And it's the Sabbath. But now it's Sunday morning, and the Sabbath is over. So now the three women can, can take their spices, and they can go and anoint the body of Jesus as an expression of their love, as an expression of their, of their deep and profound grief. And the Gospel writer Mark says that on the way, they're they're preoccupied with, with the stone. They're preoccupied with the stone that would be blocking the entrance to the tomb where the body lay. So with the stone so large, humanly impossible to move, how could they possibly anoint the body? But these courageous, resilient women, they decide to go anyway. They decide to just show up. You know, sometimes I think that's... that's that's all that's asked of us sometimes is to show up and to keep showing up. Even when what's in front of us seems impossible. To keep showing up having faith in a God who is able to make a way where there, there seems to be no way. Hope is trusting that there is light. Even when all that we can see is darkness. So it says the women arrive at the tomb. And they're surprised that the stone is rolled away. And inside the tomb, there, there's a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And it says in, in verse 5, it says that the women, they entered the tomb and they saw a young man dressed in a white robe on the right side sitting down. Now, it's really important to note that this young man, this, this angel, which simply in Hebrew means messenger, this mysterious messenger is sitting down. 
Because in the, in the first century, all rabbis sat down to teach. So one assumes that this, this mysterious messenger has something to teach them. And he does. The, the very first Easter sermon, where it says in verse 6, he is risen. He's not here. He's gone ahead to Galilee. That's where you will find him. Mark tells the story so, so simply, so quietly. I mean, that's the whole sermon. He's not here. Go and tell the others he's gone to Galilee. That's where you'll find him. That's where you will see the risen Christ. That's it. <laughs> there's no trumpet. There's no choir. There's no, there's no heavenly light shining down, illuminating the tomb. There's just this message. You better get yourself to Galilee. Because that's where you will find, that's where you will find him. That's where you will see the risen Christ. And then Mark kind of abruptly ends the gospel. He abruptly ends the Easter story. It says in verse 8 that the women fled the tomb, seized by terror and amazement, and they told no one, for they were afraid. Well, that's how it ends. <laughs> that's the Easter story as Mark tells it. How do you like that ending? Well, let me tell you, the, the early church, the early church hated that ending. <laughs> so they changed it. The early church actually added verses 9 to 20 in the, in the third century. They added a few eyewitness accounts of the resurrection because God forbid that we just embrace a little bit of mystery. For the early church, the way Mark ended the gospel, it was, it was too open-ended. It was too, um, too mysterious, too unfinished, too many questions. But that's, <laughs> that's precisely why I love Mark's version of the Easter story. He leaves it unfinished. It's almost as if he's hinting, all right, it's your turn. You pick it up where I left off. It's your story to continue to tell. Actually, the, the, the original Greek is even, even more abrupt. The English translation says that they told no one, for they were afraid. Now, the original Greek is a little bit different. It says, they told no one. They were afraid because. Because. That's how it ends. I'm not, I'm not kidding. That's how the original Greek ends it. They, were, they told no one. They were afraid because. Because what? 
I mean, Mark just leaves us <laughs> kind of hanging there in suspense. He, he doesn't give us the answers. So the gospel writer Mark writes a gospel, tells the greatest story ever told, and leaves it unfinished. And the women are told, go and tell others. You will find him in Galilee. Where is Galilee? Galilee is where they live. Galilee is where they, where they laugh, where they love. Galilee is where they struggle, where they suffer, where they grieve, where they, where they shed tears. Where is Galilee? It's where we live our lives. That's where the story continues. Love wins. If love isn't winning, the story isn't over yet. The story continues. It's our story to tell. Wendell Berry puts it this way. Our job, our holy vocation, is to practice resurrection. To practice resurrection in the midst of our everyday lives. You know, I am so absolutely grateful and privileged to be part of a pastoral team with three amazing, gifted, courageous, compassionate women. You heard from Becca a little earlier. I have asked Pastor Callie and Pastor Morgan to just briefly share where they encounter the risen Christ, where they see the story continuing. Lately, I have found myself sitting with moms and dads as they pour out their worries about their kids, especially their teenagers. Many of these families are new to Bend, having moved here just a short time before the stay-at-home order was issued and schools were closed. Their teenagers were never given a chance to make friends and to begin a life here, and yet, yet they've been shut off from the friendships and the comforts of their old life. And these teens and their parents are hurting and they're lonely and they're worried. And having moved my own teenagers across the country just a couple of years ago, I've been there. I've stayed up at night worried and hurting because my kids were so very lonely. And it's difficult for parents to share their worries about their children. We don't want our kids to look bad or for others to think that we're lousy parents or we've made a big mistake. But as I witness the heartbreak of these parents, I remember my own. And I know that, that we, the, these parents, these teenagers, my own family, we're not alone. As I've been thinking about where I see the risen Christ, I'm remembering how the disciple Thomas could not or would not believe that Jesus had actually risen until he put his finger in the mark of the nails in his hands and his hand in the wound on Jesus's side. So when Jesus appears to Thomas, Jesus tells him, go ahead and touch his wounds 
See the wince of pain on Jesus' face as Thomas puts his finger in the mark of the nails and his hand in Jesus' side. Recognize that the one who is standing there is the same one who knows everything about the worst kind of pain and anxiety and friendlessness and will never discount it. I see the risen Christ when we invite others to witness and to feel our wounds. When in vulnerability, we say, look at my pain and answer each other, oh, me too, me too. Because when we sit with someone who is hurting, when we see the wince of pain on their face as they share their story, their vulnerability gives us permission to be fully human. And fully human is how God is revealed to us. Fully human is how the risen Christ comes to us. Just like the disciples, I am finding this Easter that the risen Christ appears to me in my own backyard. This is my Galilee. This is my familiar place. This is where I have found the presence of God to be meeting me most closely in this season. As I gather around a fire with friends, as I learn how to chop a lot of firewood this winter, just to maintain that connection with other human beings and, uh, and feel the deep love that connects us all uh, at all times, if we can only create the space and the presence to see it. Um, there's a story at the end of the book of John, one of these resurrection appearance stories where Jesus actually starts a fire on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and prepares breakfast for the disciples. And that was one of the ways that they met after the resurrection. And so for me, that, that place around the fire just speaks deeply to the presence of God, to the place where we can meet the sacred in others. And it's literally in our own backyard. And so may you continue to find the presence of Jesus, the risen Christ, in your very own backyard. Friends, love wins. And if love isn't winning, it just means the story isn't over yet. It just means the story continues. It's our story to tell. Remember those words by the poet Amanda Gorman that just captured our hearts at the beginning of this year? Where she said, remember, remember there is always light if we're brave enough to see it, if we're brave enough to be it. May that life and love that, that refused and refuses to be defeated May that life and love rise in your heart this day. That we might go to the places where we live. That we might go to the places where tears are plenty. And prove with our lives, prove with our lives that love wins. Love always wins. Christ is risen. Love has risen Indeed. Though I may speak with bravest fire and have the gift to all.
striving so my love professed but be not given by love within the prophets who Welcome to the table of community with Jesus and everyone who loves. This table is for those of us who have much faith and for those of us who would like to have more. It's for those of us who have been here often and it's for those of us who haven't been in a long time. It's for those of us who are trying to follow in the way of Jesus and it's for those of us who feel like giving up. It's for those of us who've experienced grief, death, and loss and it's for those of us who are coming back to life again. Come, not because I invite you, but because the God of love is always inviting you to this table. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Bless this bread, be it crackers, donuts, or pancakes. Bless this juice and this wine, this orange juice or this coffee. Bless all of us in our eating and drinking that our eyes might be open, that we might recognize the risen Christ in our midst, in one another and in the stranger we meet along the way. And then send us from this table to be the hands and the feet of the risen Christ in all the world. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Hear us now as we pray, as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus gathered his friends for a simple meal to create a ritual that he hoped his friends would continue, knowing that the days ahead would be challenging, that they might remember him, that they might remember his love and that the presence of that love is with them always. So Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he said to his friends, this is my body broken open in love for you, inviting us to break open our hearts 
to hold the pain and the suffering of others. And he said, eat this. Remember me. Remember my love. And then he poured. Foreshadowing the way he would pour pour his whole self, his whole heart, all of his love out for us. Inviting us to pour our hearts, to pour our love into the world. And he said, this is the cup of mercy. As often as you eat of this bread, he said, and drink from this cup. Know that I am with you always. Know that love is with you always. Know that that love that that cannot be defeated is with you always. Holy One, as as we share in this simple meal, infuse us with courage, embolden us with hope, strengthen us in the love that cannot be defeated. Amen. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the beloved children of God. And that's you. Eat and be filled with God's goodness that you might be the presence of that goodness in the world. Drink deep of God's mercy that you might be the presence of mercy in the world. I hope you have something to eat and drink. And I invite you to take what you have to eat. And if you can, dip it in what you have to drink or just simply eat and drink. The bread of life for you. The cup of grace and mercy poured for you. Holy One, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for the gift of that love that cannot be defeated. And may our gratitude be best expressed in how we love. Amen. Love wins. Love always wins. If love isn't winning, it just means the story isn't over yet. First Presbyterian exists to continue to tell the story of love. It is our mission to prove that love wins. By feeding the hungry, providing shelter for the houseless, tutoring and sponsoring children, working for justice, fighting to eradicate poverty, caring for the sick, providing space and community for those who are recovering, comforting the grieving, Walking with those living with a mental illness, letting children and youth know how very loved they are, and so much more. Your financial gifts change lives. Please give generously and help us to prove to the world that love wins. And thank you. Thank you for being part of continuing to tell the story of a love that will not be defeated.
Friends, thank you so much for sharing in this celebration of Easter, this celebration of hope. And remember, love wins. Love always wins. And if it looks like love isn't winning, it just means the story isn't over yet. The story continues. And it's our story to tell. So may God take our hearts and set them on fire with the promise that love wins so that we might go to the places where we live, that we might go where there are many tears and prove with our lives that love wins. Love always wins. Christ is risen. Love has risen indeed. Happy Easter.